0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Money Wisdom Podcast. Today, we are very glad, we're very honoured to have uh, Mr. Lee Su Chai, who is the managing partner of uh, Retail LLP, a heritage, I always want to say this, a heritage law firm, because this law firm has been around for more than a century. It is 111 years old this year. So we are very happy to have Su Chai to come and join us for this podcast. Su Chai and the rest of his colleagues are actually our sort of legal partners in that whenever we have got issues that we need legal help, especially with regard to issues like uh, succession, wealth planning, setting up of a trust, we always bring our clients to Su Chai and his colleagues. And I would say that you know so far, we are very happy to have them advise our clients. So today, we are very glad to have him join us on this episode regarding the value of advice. So, uh, Suchai, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh,
1: Thank you, Chris, uh, for having me. uh, And hi, everyone.
0: Okay, so we have got some questions for you, Suchai. I know I have sent you those questions and prepped you, but along the way, I may throw you a spanner and, uh, and, and deviate a bit of those questions. So maybe you Sounds like Sounds a to, bit like court, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then I'm sure you have no problem. I'm sure you'll, you'll do very, very well. My, my questions are definitely not as difficult as what you get in the courts. So maybe you can start first by sharing with all of us some of the money beliefs that you grew up with. Maybe share a bit about your family, the kind of family that you grew up in. Okay, and some of the money beliefs that maybe your parents have imparted uh, to you mm. you had a glimpse of what your parents they have done with regard to money mm. uh, I'm sure you took away some of these money values so maybe you'd like to share with all of us
1: yeah sure I grew up where Clark Key is at the moment oh okay uh, yeah, along the river
0: my father-in-law grew up there as well Oh, okay. Maybe. A lot of
1: teochews. <laughs> yes, teochews. Yeah. Yeah, and then a lot of uh, coolies. Yes. Warehouses. Warehouses. The tongkangs. Yes. Yes. And yes. The yes. river smells at low tide. The water is okay at high tide. Uh, many of my f- neighbors, um, with their kids, will be jumping into the river at high tide. Right. And some of them will, be, uh, being pulled along by the tongkangs, you know, uh, as they swim in in the middle of that uh, the river. But my mom. Uh, in her wisdom, I suppose, did not allow me uh, to participate in those fun activities. Though I mean, remember one incident when I jumped into the river, uh, but it was f- just for a short while. <laughs> uh, and uh, we, our family was n- not considered a rich family. I okay. think my father was a hawker uh, in where Cleany Road, along Cleany Road, okay. where I think the Singtel... Com centre right right, right, nowadays. right yeah that's where uh, clinic
0: kopitiam started
1: uh, oh, eh? yeah yeah I, I, there's stretch has a clinic yeah opetium. there's a clinic yeah. there and uh, so he has a store there selling vegetables my mom also has a little uh, along the road um, there you know there, there was a little uh, pop up kind of store that we established there also so on weekends sometimes I have to go and help out. right? Uh, we live in Klaki, right? So my my, my father will um, have his uh, tricycle. And I remember uh, going up Penang Road. There's the upslope down there, mm. up there. Mm. And uh, I will have to get down and push the tricycle, which is laden with uh, uh, vegetables um, on some of the days. Right. Actually, Chris, I have not related this uh, for decades. And uh, your question brought back a lot of fond memories. How many brothers or sisters do you have? I have one sister, younger sister, and one uh, younger brother okay. who passed away. Uh, oh, uh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, twenty years ago already. Why well, it's been such a long time? Uh, yeah. So in terms of money, belief, my father was very frugal. I can remember at one stage when I first started work, I, I see uh, people investing in houses and all these sort of things. And I sense that actually I have quite a lot of reticence mm. about making those investments. Mm. And I think um, partly it is the values that he has in relation to savings and use of money, probably um, um, was imbibed in me, whether consciously or unconsciously. Right. Spend within your means, right. don't overspend.
0: That was your father. I mean, that was my father. And I, I'm sure your mother as well.
1: My mother, yes. okay, yes, And um, do not borrow. Hmm.
0: I think this particular money values, is quite common amongst our
1: parents. Yeah. Uh, but nowadays, we don't see that. You know, when I first started work, said, said, well, how can you not borrow? <laughs> oh, you know, I want my car, but I'm not going to be able to afford a car. He bought me a car, actually. Your father? My father. Wow. He bought me a car when I was... I think my first year of practice he and must be so
0: proud that his son <laughs> became a lawyer
1: his second hand car I still remember it's a Nissan and uh, I remember the number <laughs> Well now you bring back a lot of fond memories you know and he paid cash 30 mm. over thousand mm. he paid cash mm. are
0: you the are you the eldest I, I'm the eldest Okay. Yes. so yeah. I suppose he's, he was very proud of you <laughs> I'm being, sure the, being the changzi, the <laughs> eldest and uh, now the eldest son uh, yeah. at least uh, during their time, right? Yeah. I mean, being a lawyer, I mean, even today, being yeah. a lawyer is something yeah. that the parents are very proud of. And So uh, yeah. out of that yes. happiness and he was so proud, he bought uh, you your first car.
1: I never thought very much of it until you ask all these questions bring up a lot of memories, good memories. And, um, you know, when you ask the question, what are my beliefs about money? And um, reflecting on why do you spend money? Why do you spend 30 over thousand to... Pay in full for the car. Ah, mm. Right. And um, as I reflect on this, yeah, it is a reflection of his value. And mm. he says don't borrow. Mm. Right? He modeled it for you to see that he doesn't borrow. Yes.
0: So frugality is one of the money beliefs that you grew up with. Mm. Uh, were there other or are there other things that you have seen from your parents that in a way Today, it shaped your money values, your own money values.
1: I think investment in a good education. Mm. Yeah, I think that is. Inter- we didn't have a lot of money. Okay, right to so invest in stocks and things like this. But I remember uh, there were t- there was times when interest rate was more than ten percent. Mm. I remember some FD slips uh, that. Um, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where where uh, he so he does safe. Mm. He does safe. Mm. He puts them in FDs and things like this. Um, and, and I think um, he's a very, very safe, safe kind of guy when it comes to um, dealing with money. So I wouldn't say, it, I wouldn't call it investment. I don't know whether it's a savings. Uh, it's a savings. <laughs> yeah. But also well, that means he's pretty conservative. Yes. Who's a better
0: saver? Your mother or your father?
1: Or? My mother is a lot more outgoing than my father. And, uh, but my mother is very entrepreneurial right so sure. mm. so she shes does squirrel away money okay uh, and she also uh, she's also is of the type who will not spend beyond her means and mm. and uh, but she's not afraid to uh, give money uh, and help other people right
0: so that's interesting because a lot of people when I talk to them their parents right they will always say the father is the one that is if they are entrepreneurs, the father is the one that is more entrepreneurial. The father is always the one that is working, right? And then he makes the money and then he will pass the money to the wife, right? <laughs> and then the wife is always the one that saves, right? I, I mean, that's the case for my family. The, yeah. the woman they are better savers, so they tend to save up for the, for the family. But in your case, it
1: seems a bit different. I, I think very different. My wife is a saver. Okay, So uh, I, I pass all my whole paycheck or, uh, to her, she manages. Okay. All the Can man- you don't
0: say that because uh, a lot of wives will be.
1: <laughs> you just spoil
0: the market. Uh. Yeah, my yeah. wife. If yeah, uh, she hears this, she'll say, "You see, you see, I'm such a good wife because <laughs> I don't pass my entire paycheck to my wife.
1: I give her a portion,
0: and then she manages for the family. Yeah.
1: So, so please don't say that. But she, she doesn't. She wish it's not like this, because then she has a responsibility, it's a burden. Uh, yeah. But uh, I my motivation is I no, it gives her confidence. Yeah for, uh, sure. yeah, for sure. So, so there's another story um, which I share with uh, younger couples. Um, Mel and I share some of our stories with younger couples in our church. Right. Yeah. When when we say that we don't we don't prescribe that this is the way you should be handling thing, things, but it so far has worked for us, and um, we just want to share that with you. That hmm. it's possibility. Um, of how you deal with your finances mm. as husband and wife, mm. right?
0: We should interview your wife one day and ask about her money beliefs.
1: And uh, I, I'm, I can pass a message to her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she she has um, very clear views of all how to deal with money, and mm. she is the one who um, articulates some of these kind of habits to right. my children, my right. three boys.
0: Yeah, right. So being conservative, I, I mean, I'm hearing you say that about yourself, which in a way, it came from your parents, uh, being frugal and prudent, mm. right? Uh, these are some of the things that you also grew up with. So with all these things that you have sort of um, received from your parents, that mm. you learned from your parents, are you confident now in the way you manage your own money? Because I hear that you passed your money to your wife. Mm. Uh, does that mean that your wife... Handles the investments, the savings, you know,
1: uh, and all that, and you don't do it at all? No, actually, uh, my wife will tell you that whatever I ask for, I get. <laughs> okay. Yeah, sure. She and and so you can far, say that again
0: ten times. So that's very
1: important. <laughs> la. <laughs> the earlier part you cannot say, but this one you can repeat
0: ten times. Very important for us, man. Yeah. Whatever you ask from your wife, you get.
1: Okay, you you all take it as uh, uh, as you wish, um, <laughs> but that is our relationship in relation to to money. Uh, of course, if if it's a big item, we always will. She will have a, a big say in it mm. because I think she makes. Um, I, I tend to overspend sometimes. Mm. I tend to be less afraid of spending money, mm. and she is more of a saver.
0: What's, what are some examples of big items, like you mentioned buying a house, buying a car?
1: Oh, buying a house and buying a car is always a joint decision. Okay, okay. Uh, not that we have bought many houses, mm. uh, but say, for example, uh, it was a very painful uh, lesson. For more than 10 years back, when I said, hey, we cannot keep the money, They're just the bank and give you the how many percent mm. deposit rate. And recently it's like less than 1% kind of thingy, right? Mm. So we must make the money work for us. So we buy stocks. Huh? But I know how to buy, I don't know how to sell. Uh. <laughs> so um, when the market turned, um, yeah, we all get stuck. Okay. And when we liquidate, actually those were very bad decisions for me.
0: Okay, so you make those decisions and you convince your wife that you should invest some money, but then in the end, it turned out to be a pretty bad decision. Yes,
1: there there have been many bad decisions.
0: Yeah, so Uh, I want to talk more about uh, that uh, later on because I do want to find out besides these so-called bad decisions, I think it's very helpful to know that, you know, um, lawyers are very smart, but they do make bad decisions. Definitely, definitely. (laughs) But... You know, you you mentioned that, well, whatever you get or whatever you ask from your wife, you get and you all discuss with regard to big decisions. So when you make these decisions with your wife, are you the more confident person or your wife is the one that says, no, I'm very confident it's going to be like that? Uh,
1: Usually she defers the final decision to to you in relation to uh, uh, things dealing with finance and money. I see. Yeah. So are you confident in terms of managing your own money? I saving the money. Uh, I leave it to her. I think I'm com- more confident. Uh, she was growing. No, I don't want you to spend on this. And I, she has been f- a precious uh, to me in to us. I think um, as a family in relation to being the gatekeeper mm. to our income. Um, so I I think um God puts us. Um, t- uh, together for a purpose mm. can you imagine if both of us are so and don't know how to or don't want to use the money I don't know whether we can no, really you, enjoy yeah, the fruits or well, if yeah. both of us keep spending <laughs> alright and then beyond our means and then we don't have savings you know that would be disastrous as mm. well right I mm. know of friends who le- over leverage you know mm. and go into big trouble and they're lawyers. Mm. They might be very good lawyers to mm. their clients, mm. but when it comes to finances, mm. uh, maybe either uh, they make decision, bad decisions on their own or they have bad advisors. Mm. Right? So um, whatever it is, at the end of the day, uh, it is important to have uh, uh, good counsel. And in relation to finance, I think uh, I see my wife as part of this uh, uh, group of people who, um provide counsel mm. in relation to the use of money. Mm. Yeah. So, but, but on
0: your own, if you don't speak to anyone, you say
1: counsel, and
0: after receiving counsel, mm. after receiving advice, mm. after whatever your wife tells you, and of course you said she defers that decision to you, when you make them, are you generally confident that, yeah, I'm making a good decision based on whatever I've heard?
1: Uh, you used the term based on whatever I heard. Mm. those bad decisions that I made uh, about well, just following the trend and just going in and buying I think I probably as I reflect on uh, some of the questions that you have posed to me I think um, I made those decisions on my own mm. uh, and if there were good counsel at that point no actually it's not quite right because uh, I do have brokers right, when I buy and sell shares but at that point of time I say hey buy this and then they will say okay I will buy, execute the trade for you um, I did not receive counsel mm. uh, they basically
0: took orders and yeah, then they execute orders. your orders they yeah, didn't
1: yeah. but I think the way I manage this part of the, the finances now I uh, do have a, I think a good um uh, broker mm. who's able to come and tell me, Suchai, no, this one I don't think is a good idea. Mm, that's good. Uh, okay. Or uh, say, Hey, Suchai, I'm thinking of this. Mm. And sometimes I do take his uh, lead, right? Uh, and sometimes I don't, right, right. So the decision ultimately is on me, right? But there is somebody who will um, come to me. Uh, or whom I will ask, mm. I'm able to approach to ask, hey, is this a good decision? Right, right. I think um, over the last few years when I decided to put aside a uh, sum of money, Mel and I say, okay, look, if we manage ourselves, uh, number one, I got no time mm. to look at it. Number two, I don't have the time to able to consider whether this uh, stock, I do mainly equity, mm. uh, uh, it, it makes sense or not, and if you want to be a bit more uh, aggressive uh, uh, to, to to get returns, then you really need to study right. the the stock a little bit right. better rather than just following the That's trend. Right. That's right. right. So, um, uh, I can share some of our, uh, some of my uh, thoughts uh, and how it developed over a period of time. In relation to one particular, in relation to Bitcoin, actually. Okay. If you have the time, we can. I can share some thoughts about that.
0: Please go ahead. Yeah, please go ahead. Yeah. If you want to
1: share about uh, uh, Bitcoin. Oh, so I remember uh, when I was in Hong Kong, I think uh, for a conference, and um, we were sitting. Uh, is now that you mention, it, it's very vivid in my mind. How the, the, the on the episode we were sitting, we was just standing around, mingling around. And uh, Bitcoin, I think at that point of time, was about $4,000. Okay. And it was sitting, standing, not sitting at one of these cocktail tables. And there are four of us, I think three or four of us, they're talking about $4,000. I said, okay, $4,000. Maybe I should just play around with it through five pieces, 20 of a thousand, one for me, one for my wife, and one for each of my children, <laughs> each of my three sons. And... Um, Came back. We spoke to somebody, mm. uh, or I spoke to somebody, and said no la I'm speculative and all. Oh, you know, uh in the end, what also overcame uh, that. That thought never happened. Uh, I did not buy that five bitcoin. Then it went to nine thousand dollars. Oh shucks. <laughs> <laughs> they went to nineteen over thousand at point of time. I think nineteen over Oh double shucks. <laughs> and then it came down to 11,000. a wow, hang! Hey, nah. <laughs> right? Um, then it went up to 60 over 1,000. But by then, I also became became a lesson for me. Hey, look, you follow the trend. Nah. Mm. Uh, you don't do it properly, mm. uh, or you go in at the wrong time, uh, you're going to get terribly burnt, you know? Mm. And then we're at 60 over 1,000, right? Then it went down to, I think, Below thirty, I've lost
0: touch with it. Really, <laughs> I still have Bitcoin in my in my own personal investment portfolio, but very very small. I really just buy it yeah. for fun.
1: But I wish I had bought the four thousand. Bought four thousand.
0: Well, uh, I I wish I had bought it when it was hundred bucks. Yeah, that's true.
1: <laughs> you no, know, they they say you can buy a McDonald's, is it at, with <laughs> with one Bitcoin? You no, know, those were. But so the lesson for me is, with hindsight, you are always correct. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah and you you can buy it but your emotions probably go up and down with the the bitcoin prices going up and down yeah. uh, as well uh. yeah. so you mentioned that um more than 10 years ago you made some mistakes with regard to stock investments mm. uh were there any other big financial mistakes you made
1: all these years no la, i think no i'm i'm quite conservative in case so. came from your father. Maybe a bit gassy even. (laughs) You know, I I told my mom, I said, wow, if I was a bit more garang, imagine 1993, um, when I first started out as practice on my own, I I, I became a lawyer in in 1990 but I came out on my own and started my own practice in 1993. At that time was the almost uh, the stock market run and the yeah, the, and the, the property roaring run. 90s yeah. yeah yeah And then um, I had to do of course real estate convincing right And I've got some clients who are property investors mm. and they would get a, I bring them to the uh, developers' office, they get an option and within don't know how many weeks uh, they flip the option and make so much money. But I didn't dare to do that Mm. for some reason. I don't Mm. know why. Mm. Uh, uh, Then you hear of sad stories where I got friends who went into this Mm. over-leverage. And then when the 1996 the property uh, market cooled down with Mm. the first set uh, after the first set of cooling measures uh, the banks came calling Mm. and became bankrupt. So who is right, who is wrong, Mm. sometimes I um, am not very sure. Mm. But I think um, if you want to do it on your own, Mm. uh, sometimes uh, the propensity to make the wrong decisions Mm. is higher than if you, at least in terms of financial Mm. matters, uh, uh, instead of having a, somebody who is reliable, whom you can talk right. to. Yeah. So, so do
0: you have anyone? I
1: mean, when you are making your
0: decisions,
1: besides I, my I current know. broker, I'm okay. quite happy with him. Okay. I think he's not the very Garang type and he's not also the one who's too conservative. I tell him, hey, I don't want this money to be sitting in the bank and doing nothing. I want to have uh, enough. I want to earn something that can pay for my holidays each right, year. right. Right. I don't go for very expensive holidays, okay? <laughs> but I, I just don't want... I, I think it uh, it doesn't make sense to eat into your principle right, right. when there might be something else you can do. Right, right. So... besides
0: your broker anyone else?
1: Not really. Help you if... I, uh, my, okay. wife, uh, my wife, my wife would be the restraining force.
0: But she, uh, your, your wife, does she uh, do any investments? She doesn't, right? She saves? Uh, she's more a saver. Okay. Okay. So since you talk about having someone like your broker to help you advise, what would you consider to be good advice generally? Not just from your broker, but what would you, and especially you're in the business of giving advice mm, mm. right to your clients, right? So using your experience as a lawyer for decades and mm. your, the advice you've gotten from your broker, what would you then consider to be good
1: advice? Good advice must only be give, will only be given by good advisors. Mm, mm. So I think the first, first thing I look for is a good advisor okay and what would to me be a good advisor i think somebody whom i believe to be competent mm. somebody whom i believe to know my needs sometimes even somebody who is able to articulate what my needs should be mm. and then um uh will be able to provide options to me mm um what uh, uh, can be done to uh, meet mm. those objectives and aims or needs that I'm have right. And then not be afraid to uh, give recommendations. Mm. And um, I like an advisor or counselor who is able to tell me what they would do in my situation. Mm. Yeah. Mm. To me, that last bit is quite important. Mm. I remember uh, I was with my father in the hospital and the doctor, it was a geriatrics lawyer, a doctor who came to me and said that if this was my father, I would not go through this treatment. Mm. When actually another surgeon recommended a particular I see, treatment. I see. So to me, uh, that doctor mm. gave me good counsel.
0: In a way, he had that confidence to tell you that because uh, not many advisors, so called, right. will do that. Right? You'll just That's tell you right. the standard
1: answer. That's right. Right. So any stop at the, I give you options. Mm. Right. But I think a good advisor should be would be one who will be able to uh, say, given your situation, given your objectives, mm. given if I were in your position, these Wouldn't are the o- possible options. Mm. And if I were in your position, I will. Probably take either, uh, you narrow down uh, mm. the, all the options for me and, and enable mm. and allow me to make a, a very considered decision.
0: Yeah, so um, I'm hearing you, and if I may sort of like summarize whatever you have said over the last few minutes, right? The couple of minutes that uh, you talk about what uh, is considered a good advice. You started by saying that good advice comes from good advisors. Mm. And your definition of a good advisor is someone who is competent. Mm. And at the same time, you, you alluded to courageous. Mm. Mm. Because this advisor, because he's competent, he's able to offer that advice, mm. give you the option. But besides that, he has that courage to take a certain position. Yes. Right otherwise it's like I give you A to Z you know and it's your choice your choice yeah. right but the advisor is courageous or that doctor specifically is courageous enough to tell you that look if I were you I wouldn't do this but it's mm. really up to you but if I were you yeah. I wouldn't do this So yes. he is competent but at the same time he's brave enough to mm. tell you his position mm. and because of that somehow he has an authority when he speaks, he speaks with authority. Mm. And a good advisor is also someone who will probably intimately know your situation
1: Yes, so that he's able to take that position yes. for you. Yes, Would I be right yeah, to, to I, say that? Yeah, I think that? you've summarized it very nicely. Um, those thoughts and articulated, uh, packaged it much more nicely than I have. As a lawyer, I have to do that. Mm. I don't appreciate on the one hand, on the other hand, kind of lawyers. Mm. Um, and I say that if that doctor told me, on the one hand, you can go for surgery, but mm. on the other hand, you can also not go for surgery, mm. I think I'll be very lost. Mm. Right? Uh, my, my view is that, that when we are in a position of being an advisor, mm. uh, we need to take a position, mm. whether you are legal advisor or financial advisor. And I, I do appreciate... Um, um, my current broker would tell me, Suchai, given your objectives, I don't think this is a good mm. uh, decision to make.
0: Right. Yeah. right. So in this world, you see, in this world AI, right, everybody is talking about AI, mm. replacing human beings, mm. you know, and people are talking about even AI replacing advisors. Mm. I thought what you have just shared in a way dispel that possibility because for good advice to happen, this person must have that authority over your life in that area Mm. and intimately know you. I'm not sure whether a computer can intimately know how you feel, right? And so uh, AI advisor is going to be tough to be able to do that. Um, But all that intimacy and the authority comes from the advisor's competence, technical Mm. competence, but also courage. Uh, I'm yes. not sure whether a computer can be courageous.
1: I think that part of it, uh, at this moment, I see and I hope that AI will not be able to replace because I think that's a human human pit of it. Yes. But yes. when it comes to competence, I think the advisors must learn how to, must be prepared to uh, harness mm. the powers of AI. Mm. Uh, to put together information and options to the client. right, right, And then uh, for uh, the advisor to analyze this and say, hey, look, what do you really need? Mm. And and I you know in the legal profession, mm. I think we are also struggling with um, how AI is going to impact us. And there are yeah. some of us who will say, ah, no worries, you know. Lawyers, uh, um, there's this human uh, element. Uh, but I, I gave the analogy. Uh, and I don't know whether it applies to the financial professionals. A solution involves step eight one to step hundred. Mm. Uh, a legal solution step one to if you if step one to say ninety mm. can be uh, done better mm. by harnessing the technology with artificial yeah, in intelligence, yeah. and only the 91st step to the 100th step require that so-called human touch. Mm. If as a lawyer, I'm providing only the first to the ninety step kind of thing, uh, then I'm going to be irrelevant. Right, right, right. Because AI is going to take over. Right, right, right. So lawyering skills now uh, must be... I, 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 I suppose to work certain parts of the lawyering skill mm. must now be developed mm. more deliberately. Yeah, right? I do Where agree with you. You give advice. Yeah,
0: I do agree with you. Yeah. I mean, I always say that, you know, to be technology, be human. The more human you are, the less technology will be able to beat you. Of course, there are certain things that, you know, will be easily replaced by technology, right? Yes. A lot of technical knowledge can be replaced by technology easily. Yes. I, I don't think we can beat technology yes. in that regard. I yes. mean, you go and search, you know, you go and type into chat GPT or whatever, yeah. you know, the technology is going to provide you with a very te- uh, the technical answer much faster. Yes. But it's a human aspect. It's yeah. not just what you say, but how you say that differentiate a good advisor and a bad advisor, mm. Right. I always say that the difference between a good doctor and a bad doctor is their bedside manners, (laughs) right? The bedside manner is very important because it gives the patients that assurance uh, which tech may not be able to do it. So I think it applies the same to not just lawyering, but uh, as well as in our profession of giving uh, wealth advice. So if you think that, uh, well, uh, advice is good or you you have sort of helped us define what is good advice, would you then consider pay for advice? I think you must, right? Mm. Uh, And specifically, just to be clear, I refer to wealth advice, right? Because in the the legal world, it's understood. You go see a lawyer, you're not going to get free advice. You got to pay them, right? But in mm. my world, (laughs) uh, especially over the past few decades, uh, people are not used to paying for wealth advice because they get it quote unquote free. Free, yeah. Because Whether it's
1: always bundled with products, right? I'm trying to sell right. you a product. Right, right. Yeah.
0: yeah, so what do you think? You know, if a financial professional uh, is able to give you good advice, do you think that you would pay
1: for good advice? Personally, I say, yes, you have no choice. But maybe I can say because because my, of my, uh, my, my position as a lawyer. Because mm. I think you must pay for good advice. Whether it's professional mm. advice, you do bargain with your doctor. Mm-hmm. You don't, yeah. right? And you expect to pay for advice uh, um, given to you by a doctor. Mm. Uh, when you pay a doctor, if he tells you, oh, I don't have a problem, will you not pay for the doctor? You will still pay for the doctor. In fact, you'll be very happy. Oh, thank you for the telling me I have no problem. You're not going to say, hey, well, no, no I, problem. I pay you, you know. How <laughs> can you never tell me that I have a problem? You're not going to do that, right? So I think... Um, in the financial profession and the industry uh, for as long as I know it is always been packed with selling a product. Yeah, And because of that, I think, um, the industry probably has evolved into a certain way such that maybe people, clients expectation, customers expectations that why should I pay for, mm. uh, advice. Mm. Um, but, um, I think, um, um you get what you paid for. Right, right. Right? Yeah. If you want honest, uh, I'm not saying people who sell products mm. uh, are not honest or anything mm. like this, but I would like to say that when you take the position as an advisor or counselor, mm. there is an independence which you must exercise. Mm. And sometimes, um, if your business or, uh, is structured in such a way that um, you may that, that independence will be compromised mm. then it's quite natural to for clients to say i'm not going to pay for it right i mean i, I shared with you uh, what prompted me to contact you right. i think some time back uh, right uh, it was through a business times article right which okay. i read uh which you penned and uh you wrote that you know trust is not always the solution mm. and universal life is not always the solution mm. and i look i looked at it and said hey eh, this is a wealth planner who says all these things. Very interesting. And that's when I emailed you. Right, right. And, and that's how we, got, we got to know each other. Yeah. yeah. And and I I think that um, what came about, or the impression that I got from there is, hey, this this fella is not selling products.
0: Mm.
1: You know, and it's in alignment with my how I perceive uh, my role as a lawyer. Right. I'm right. supposed to be uh, fearless. I'm supposed to be competent. I'm supposed to uh, look mm. after my client's best interests. Mm. To me, that is a, what I strive to be right. as a, uh, to being a good lawyer. What you you mentioned resonated mm. with me. Mm. Yeah. I guess so will I pay for advice? Yes, I think you have to pay for good advice.
0: Yeah, I guess in my industry, the problem is that many people associate wealth advice or financial advice to selling of a product like you have mentioned. Mm. And if that's the case, then the value of advice is not there. If it's just for the purpose of transacting a product, Mm. the value of advice is not there. And as a result of that, many Singaporeans and not just Singaporeans, you know, uh, people all over the world, Mm. when they think about paying for financial advice, they will say, no, I mean, why should I pay for just a transaction, Mm. right? Mm. But unfortunately, that really is not good wealth advice, right? We talk about good wealth advice. It's not just about knowing intimately about a person's need and prescribing a product because I think if that is wealth advice, we will be easily replaced by AI, like what we have spoken Mm -hmm. about, Mm -hmm. right? But... You know, good advice is really about intimately knowing a person's beyond their financial needs, their life needs, their aspirations, their value towards money. Knowing the money beliefs that you grow up with, mm. right, knowing your money values. Because when I know how you grow up, Uh, in an environment like what you have shared about your your family and I I hear you talking about your bad experiences with investing 10 years ago because I intimately know your situation. I Mm. know your Mm. psychology. The wealth plan will look very different beyond just prescribing a product, Mm. right? Mm. And if an advisor can do that for you, Mm. well, then I suppose there's value in the advice. Uh, you will be more prepared to pay for value, right? But if I'm just here and I tell you, okay, Sucha, I think based on what you tell me, okay, I'm going to sell you an insurance product. I'm going to sell you an investment product. Mm. Then the value is not really there because you can you can go out there and many people can do that same job for you and yes. do it for free, yeah.
1: right? Then yeah. it's not worth paying. Yeah, but the perception of the client is important. Yes, it is. The, the perception of the client that uh, he, he you the advisor is there for his interest. And that's right. Uh, and um, I'm prepared to trust right. what he says. Right. Um, I think that is important. Mm. Uh, and um, I, I suppose for for many of the financial advisors outside who are selling products and mm. services, many times I believe they would have given good advice mm. in any case, but mm. because it becomes, um, uh, it is bundled with something else. Mm. So they are perceived as not, they may not be yeah. perceived as being uh, independent. Independent. They mm. are not perceived as not being trustworthy mm. because they may clients may be perceiving them as uh, trying to sell them a product. Right, right. So I think a lot has to do with the perception. Right. So I think that to be an independent advisor, mm. you really have may have no choice but to have to choose what um, you uh, how you are positioned right, the right. service that you are providing. Right. Right. Uh, I, I make no uh judgment whether you know um, you that you shouldn't be uh, selling products and all mm. because each of us have his have our own role right right, right. the client does sometimes does need to do their product right. I, i'm I have great respect for insurance insurance agents because many of them do have the client at heart mm. uh, and um uh, in, in selling products. Right, of course, right. there are bad heads as well. Of course, uh, in
0: every industry, there will always be that yeah. black sheep.
1: So so what I suppose I'm saying is that sometimes um, to be in a position to see your advice being appreciated, mm. the clients must trust you, must perceive you as uh, all the things that are mentioned. I, I just want to put it out there in case uh, I may have given the wrong perception that, uh, oh no, all those people selling products yeah, uh, yeah. are cannot be good advisors. I'm sure many of them have the welfare of clients at heart. For sure. Yeah,
0: Yeah, so I mean, it's interesting you brought up the word trust because uh, that brings to mind uh, a formula that was uh, given by this author of the book called Trusted Advisor. Mm -hmm. Uh, His name is David Meister. And he said, you know, how do you build trust? And he gave a, a trust formula. Mm. And the trust formula is CRI divided by SI, which is credibility mm. plus reliability mm. plus intimacy mm. divided by self-interest. Mm. right so it's a very interesting formula because if you want to build trust you know whether in the legal practice or in my in, in, in my practice mm. right so you have to build you have to up your credibility yes. and credibility comes from your education your yes. competence yes. your technical competence you got to up your reliability yeah. you do what you say and you say what you do yes. reliability yes. if you say you will do it you do it yes. right that's reliability mm. plus intimacy which we talked about earlier yes. you need to intimately know your clients mm. divided by self-interest mm. the Higher your self-interest, the more conflicted you are. Mm. The more conflicted you are, it lowers trust. Mm. Right. So David Masters say that to build trust is CRI divided by SI, la, Credibility plus reliability plus intimacy mm. divided by self-interest, mm. and we can work on this few very vari- uh, variable. Mm. Then our trust or clients will trust us
1: mm. more. Yeah, I right. will share that with my colleagues. Okay. <laughs> it's not Yeah, I haven't read that book. Uh, uh, yeah, but it's a simple formula to follow. Yeah, Right. Okay, so
0: um, I guess that's what we have for today. And I just want to thank you very much for sharing with us your view on value of advice, especially coming from the perspective uh, of a lawyer. I mean, so far hmm. we have been uh, doing this series with various people, yeah. but this is the first time we are asking someone whom really give advice uh, on a day-to-day basis, mm-hmm. right? So we just want to thank you for coming in to share with us your perspective of what you think the value of advice uh, should be. So thank you very much, Suchai.
1: Yeah, thanks, Chris, for
0: having me. So f- for the rest of us, I hope you have benefited from uh, this episode. If you feel that you want to continue to hear more, please uh, Follow us on our podcast, whether through YouTube, through Spotify, uh, the various platforms. And please help us to like and share as well. Thank you very much for listening to us. All analyses, views or opinions from interviews, recommendations and other information broadcasted, podcasted or published herein are provided for general information purposes only. Information expressed does not take into account any specific situation, particular needs or objectives and should not be construed as specific advice or a recommendation. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal or tax professional before taking any action. Provident Limited does not accept any liability for any loss whatsoever arising from any use of the information broadcasted, podcasted or published herein. All contents and information contained herein may not be copied or reproduced in whole or in part by any means without prior written consent of Provident Limited.